With the Senior Bowl concluding on Saturday, several NFL hopefuls boosted their stock heading towards the combine and the rest of draft season. Which players stood out as potential targets for the Seahawks heading towards the 2023 NFL draft? Rob and I are going to be recapping all the action from Saturday and last week in Mobile on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Joining me for our latest Monday installment, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening just south in Oregon or you're listening across the country in Maine. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're moving on to the next phase of the offseason, the biggest Opener for the pre-draft process, the Senior Bowl officially in the books. We're going to be discussing some prospects that bolster their stock and could be prime targets for the Seahawks heading towards the 2023 NFL Draft. We're going to look at some bold predictions in our Monday mailbag segment, and then I've got my second mock draft. It officially was released this morning, and we're going to allow the draft expert himself, Mr. (laughs) Rob Rang, dissect and ridicule my mock draft on today's Mock Draft Monday. Should be a jam-packed episode coming your way, and it's courtesy of BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide, and they have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash locked on. Now for your lead story here on our Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. The opener of the pre-draft process, the Senior Bowl, is officially in the books. Three practices, the weigh-ins, and of course the All-Star Showcase game on Saturday. A pretty competitive game, even though the score may not suggest that. It was actually a pretty close game early in the fourth quarter, then a few plays changed the tide. But as usual, you had over 100 prospects that were duking it out, trying to jockey for draft positioning and There were a handful of players that made themselves some money this week, including in Saturday's game. And there were a few of those players specifically that jumped out to you and I as potential Seahawks targets. Mr. Draft Guru himself, I'm going to dish it to you first. Who are a few (laughs) players that jumped out to you in Saturday's showcase and just recapping the entire week that really bolstered their stock and looked like strong fits for the Seahawks heading into the draft? Yeah, I appreciate that, Corbin. And I would kind of start off the, the Senior Bowl review by saying the exact same thing that the Senior Bowl executive, Jim Nagy, who, of course, has been a guest a couple of times on our program and as a former Seahawks scout, I would just say the exact same thing that Jim Nagy would say. The draft starts in Mobile. Um, and the Senior Bowl is such an incredible collection of players competing against themselves. The game itself is important, but the practices are even more important. I would argue maybe even this week, or excuse me, this year, Corbin, they're actually even more important than in past years just because of the way that the East-West Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl both kind of squeeze their games into a, a week and a half span. So you had an awful lot of scouts who were traveling from Las Vegas 
to Mobile, Alabama over the last week and a half. And, and you really are trying to create some impressions if you're the player, because obviously all these players have been incredibly successful with their own college teams. That's how they got invited to one of these prominent all-star games in the first darn place. Um, but you are hoping to kind of flash in, in these opportunities, especially if you are a player who plays maybe in a little bit of a, a college scheme. And now you're suddenly going to be asked to play a pro style offense or, or defense or whatever the case might be. So without any further ado, there, there were definitely three players that immediately jumped out to me. Now I'm going to start with the position that we have talked about so much, and that is the center position. And I, thought that John Michael Schmidt from um, from Minnesota was the best center in this draft class heading into the week, but I feel much better about that position now after what I saw over the week of practice and the game itself. Um, just the, the raw power, um, the quickness, the ability to get up to the second level, those yeah. are all traits that I think fit in very nicely with what Seattle is looking to do. Um, it's what Seattle has preferred in the past with Pete Carroll and John Schneider. They've preferred big guys and then if the Seahawks are in fact going to follow the Andy Dickerson approach, which has typically been a little bit smaller, a little bit quicker offensive lineman, at least that's what he's preferred when he was back at the LA Rams. Then again, Schmitz has such incredible athletic ability. I do think that he could fit in, even though he's 6'4", 320 pounds. So to me, he's the best of both worlds at that spot. Speaking of the best of both worlds, I think on the flip side, on the defensive side of the ball, that middle linebacker position, we all know that that is going to be a huge area of concern. Whatever the Seahawks are going to be doing with Cody Barton, uh, obviously the, the injury to Jordan Brooks and Oh, by the way, the best inside linebacker in college football might actually be the guy that's in Pullman and Dayon Henley. Now, I say inside linebacker, kind of in air quotes, because Dayon Henley, Corbin, is you know he's 6'1", he's 230 pounds, and he is as physically ripped as it gets. So there's not a lot of extra weight you're going to be able to add to this guy. But my goodness, is he fast. And, and he really demonstrated that instincts um, as in, in pass defense, which, of course, we know how bad the Seahawks linebackers are victimized in coverage for seemingly forever. Um, and, uh, and he's also physical at the point of attack. And so to me, again, that combination is really intriguing, especially because of the regional familiarity. Henley began his college career at Nevada as a wide receiver, as a punt returner. And he has built himself up into this monster of a linebacker. I think he's got a, a real chance to be a late first round pick. I don't know that he is worth number 20 overall, but if there was a slight trade down for the Seahawks in the bottom portion of the first or top of the second, number 37 overall is currently Seattle's first second round pick. I think that he makes an awful lot of sense there. And then finally, I, we talk about these guys that are, I think that they're prominent, obviously center again, middle linebacker. I, I think you got to get bigger and tougher along the line of scrimmage um, on the defensive side of the ball. And while I'd love to see like a Jalen Carter at number five or somebody like that, I, I think you have to start looking at some different options, middle round options. Who are big, tough guys? And Cameron Young from Mississippi State is not a particularly flashy player. Uh, you know, I mean, he had, I think, 50 plus tackles a couple of years ago. But we're talking about a guy who has three or four sacks kind of a thing. All right, this is not a, a quick twitch, three technique penetrator. This is certainly not a speed rusher off of the edge. This might be Jaron Reed all over again. This is a big, physically powerful guy that can absolutely two-gap. And that's one of the things I think that the Seahawks are missing right now. So Cameron Young isn't a player that a lot of people are talking about. But again, I mentioned the regional familiarity with Washington State and Deion Henley. Obviously, Seattle just drafted a Coogan A. Lucas a year ago. Obviously, at Mississippi State, they selected Charles Cross. The Seahawks scouts have 
players in their building who are going to be able to give them the intel on these guys. And that's part of my thinking as well. Yeah, those are really interesting picks for your senior bowl standouts. And I'm going to spend a little bit more time on the offensive side of the football. And I want to start with a player that, you know, I'm not somebody that likes to toot my own horn, but if you follow me on Twitter, you know that one of my college football man crushes the last couple of years has been Evan Hull at Northwestern. And he's a 212 pound battering ram. I know that term gets thrown around a lot, but this guy just pushes the pile. It is so difficult to get him down at the point of contact. Even when he catches the football, he had a, a catch the other day on Saturday's game where he got whacked, but it didn't matter. He fell forward. He does it every single time. This guy is a pile pusher. He's extremely productive. One of only three running backs the entire country this year with 500 plus rushing yards and 500 plus receiving yards. And he did it on a really bad Northwestern football team. I think this kid is going to be a sleeper to watch in the draft. If you're not going to use him at tailback, make him Kyle Juszczyk 2.0 because he can catch the football. He can move outside a little bit. He can run between the tackles. He's got underrated quickness and speed. This guy's not going to run a 4-3, but he is not slow by any means. And so Evan Hull gets my first nod here. And then on the offensive line, you mentioned John Michael Schmitz. The player that I think made the most money for himself this weekend is a player that I think played every position on the offensive line on Saturday, at least three of them, left guard, center, and right tackle. And he was great at all three positions. And that's Cody Mock from North Dakota State. And we talked about him a little bit with, you can make fun of him for the gap he's got in the front of his teeth or the long hair, but this kid is a football player, and I love the athleticism, the ability to get to the second level. You can use him as a puller, and he gets out in space. He, he, You can tell he was a tight end when he got to college, just the fluid athleticism that he brings to the table, and he was outstanding in pass protection across the board regardless of where he put him. That kind of versatility, that makes you money, especially when you're really good at all three positions. I'm very intrigued by him at center, not a position he played at North Dakota State, but he showed this weekend that he can play that position, and he's only going to get better if that's where an NFL team puts him. So I think he's got to be on Seattle's radar. And on the defensive side of the ball, real quick, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. I talked him up last week. I love him even more than I did last week. This kid had a great week of practice. And then on Saturday, you look at the stats. He didn't have a sack. He only had one quarterback hit, and it was nullified by a penalty. But he was in the backfield constantly. And this guy's a great athlete for 312 to 320 pounds, depending on when he's getting measured. He is not a traditional nose tackle. This guy can get after the quarterback. He had a filthy swim move that he put on a guard in this game to get after the QB. He whacked Max Duggan on another play. Again, got negated by a penalty in the secondary. But this guy can win with power. He can win with finesse moves that you don't see many 310-plus-pound guys able to execute in a football field. I think he potentially could sneak in the first round after this week. That's how much he improved his stock. He already was an early day two guy trending that direction. But – you. If you're a DT at that size that can pass rush, you're going to get picked fairly early. And there's not a lot of guys in this draft after Jalen Carter that can do that. So I think he really bolstered his stock. But anyway, we could talk senior bowl prospects for hours. We're going to have a chance to do that some more when we get to my second mock draft and you evaluate it in the third quarter. But first, we've got our Monday mailbag. We're switching things up a little bit. Instead of answering questions, we're looking at your bold offseason predictions for the Seahawks. We'll get to those here in a moment on our Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. 
Now for a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life can be full of challenges. This past year was really difficult for my family. We've undergone significant strife with members dealing with debilitating health issues, and it's been a struggle for me coping with it mentally. Life can be full of twists and turns, so it's important to show yourself through it all. And luckily, BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me, but don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online and available to people worldwide. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you, and BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself. BetterHelp has a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash on. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com slash on. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Looking forward to the big game coming up this Sunday. I'm leaning towards taking a big swing with Travis Kelsey as my MVP pick at plus 1,200. If you want to make a similar bet, the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You're listening to the Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad, as always, to be joined by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether it's your first time listening to the podcast or you're a regular listener. We greatly appreciate all of your support. <clears throat> Let's get to our Monday mailbag segment. Now, we're going to switch things up a little bit this week. Usually, we're getting questions from our listeners. But something that I've noticed, and you mentioned this last week as well, We've been getting a lot of questions about off-season related activities, what might happen in free agency, the draft, and we decided to open the mailbag up a little bit differently this week. And instead of answering questions from you, our valued listeners, we're going to get your bold off-season predictions for the Seahawks, what you think is going to happen in the next couple of months heading towards the 2023 season. And we got some really interesting ones to dive into, Robin. Let's get it started. This one maybe isn't as bold as some of the others we'll be talking about, but our first one coming from Juan Trevor. Geno Smith prices himself out of Seattle, so they re-signed Drew Locke as their starter for 2023. And then he dropped a second one. Jamal Adams is a June cut and is replaced by first-round pick Brian Branch. Now, that one would certainly be the bold prediction of these two. I think Geno Smith outpricing himself, while I don't think it's going to happen, it's possible if there's another team that wants to pay him enough money and Seattle lets him hit the market. But the Jamal Adams one would be a stunner, especially if Seattle drafts a safety in the first round with one of their two picks. 
Well, I, Brian Branch is that damn good. So I will say that uh, he, he's one of my absolute favorite players in this draft class. And I can't imagine that the Seahawks investing an early pick in yet another safety. But uh, obviously, if Jamal Adams is no longer on the team, we've talked so much about how Seattle is going to have to get creative um, to be able to, you know, just kind of take full advantage of all of the salary cap uh, that they possibly can. And we all know that Jamal Adams obviously has been an incredible disappointment um given how much you traded for him given how much you paid him given the little uh, amount of time and big plays that he's been able to provide your franchise to this point so I, I don't think that these are necessarily that bold i think that they're actually have a have a really a decent chance of, of actually happening i would be actually i think more surprised by the geno smith move and going back to drew lock i think that that's a possibility as well but again, just knowing, and I'm not a bean counter. I don't know all of the different um, penalties that the Seahawks would accrue if they were to cut Jamal Adams. But I think that they've got to figure out something with that contract to be able to smooth that out. And again, if they don't have one of their stud safeties, I just think that that is a huge philosophy of the Seahawks. And I think that they would try to bring in another safety, a good one, um, if they had to replace somebody in their defensive backfield. Staying with the safety group, this next one from Brett Revolt. He has Jamal Adams getting restructured. That goes with your recent comments there. But he's not done at the safety position. Quandre Diggs getting traded for a third-round draft pick because there's too much money invested in the safety group. Our starting safeties entering the season will be Ryan Neal and a second-round rookie. So we're not going to have Brian Branch in this particular prediction, but there's going to be a second-round rookie out there with Ryan Neal rather than having Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. We've talked about this quite a bit in recent weeks because Quandre Diggs does have that $18 million cap hit, but it seems unlikely that they're going to be able to trade him if they're wanting to lower that cap hit or get rid of that cap hit because very few teams out there are going to be interested in taking on anybody that's got an $18 million cap hit to the safety position. With that being said, could John Schneider maybe explore calling around and seeing if anybody's interested? I would be stunned if that is the route that they took. Maybe they could find a way to do a restructure on Quandre Diggs' deal to lower that cap hit. But I'll be surprised if he is not in uniform for the Seahawks next year, especially with the uncertainty with Jamal Adams' health. I 100% agree with you. I, I would not be surprised at all if the Seahawks try to figure out some way of extending Quandre Diggs and, and lowering that cap hit, but to actual trade him, I, I would be very surprised by that. Um, we, we've talked before about what a terrific and consistent player that Quandre Diggs has been for the most part this past season. Obviously, the start of the season wasn't what we'd expected, but my goodness, did he finish with, with a, a, a great, uh, you know, a, a great run of interceptions and things of that nature. Um, so, uh, again, I, I just have a real hard time imagining a scenario in which both uh, Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs are no longer Seattle safeties. In this case, they're, they're suggesting that Seattle would move Jamal Adams to the linebacker position. Let me ask you this. If, if Jamal Adams, and I, it's not that I don't think that he could do it. He is physical. He's tough. He's better in the uh, in the box than he is in space. But if for a man who has struggled with injuries, getting him that much closer to the, you know, just the physicality of the line of scrimmage, I think is dangerous, especially in a three, four, mostly three, four alignment where I think that Seattle is going to be looking for bigger linebackers, not smaller ones.
Yep, that's a very good point. I think if this was a 4-3 defense, you maybe could have a little more of an active discussion in that front. But they were using some in nickel packages that way. It's a little different when you're talking about a base defense, though. Our next one coming from Drippy Bobby. I love the name there. <laughs> it's almost Talladega Nights. But anyway, we've already had the Geno walking resigning lock, but I like this second one here. Seattle trades one of its second-round picks for either Vita Vea or DeForest Buckner. I'm going to say this right now. Of those two, I think Buckner's the one that you'd be more likely to get for a second-round pick. I do not see Tampa Bay, although without Tom Brady, maybe they will be doing a little bit of a fire sale moving on from some players, and maybe they'll be more willing to give up a player like Vita Vea for a second-round pick. I think he's too important to their defense. I would think they would probably be asking for pick number 20. But that being said... Both these guys would immediately make Seattle's defensive line much better, and they both could play in a 3-4 scheme as well. Yeah, and they're just both really, really good players. And so on the surface, I mean, hell, they're worth more than the 20th pick. They're probably both worth number five. But it's the money that is what complicates things. Just like Quandra Dick, just like the conversation we had a moment ago. Again, Seattle is up against the cap. And so if they were to trade one of their picks to acquire a veteran of that type of salary, um, that's where I think things would get a little bit complicated here. Uh, I just think that there is very unlikely that you're going to see Vita Vea or Eric, Ar excuse me, DeForest Buckner get moved this offseason because they are so critical to their teams. And let's face it, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Indianapolis Colts as the way that they're currently situated, obviously huge holes, the quarterback position. I don't think that they're going to be looking to trade some of their franchise pillars. I think that they're going to be looking to try to get themselves a quarterback just to get into that next era. Our next one coming from Doc B, the Seahawks take Anthony Richardson at pick number five and John Snyder sleeps like a baby. Well, I, I will say this, Rob, if, if he loves Anthony Richardson, we know the reports that have been validated in recent years where Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen were quarterbacks that John Schneider loved and would have had, a, if he would have had a crack, they might've moved on from Russell Wilson much quicker than what they did, but they didn't get the opportunity to draft either one of those players. So if Anthony Richardson with those incredible traits and his size, if he's a player that John Schneider and the scouting department falls in love with enough that they're willing to take him at number five or they feel that's where they have to select him, other teams may be interested as well. I don't think that this is necessarily a bold prediction. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you know we know how it goes with quarterbacks in the draft. If he has a great pre-draft process and John Schneider's blown away, then this could easily happen. It could. It absolutely could. Uh, you know, I've only done one mock draft so far this year, Corbin. I, I had the Seahawks taking, it was when Seattle had the three pick uh, and roughly the 20th. And I had him taking Anthony Richardson with that second of their first round picks. And in, in hindsight, I just don't know that he's going to make it that far down the board, as, as you just kind of pointed out there. there. There's so many teams picking right behind the Seahawks that need quarterbacks. I just mentioned the Colts a moment ago. Carolina Panthers, I think you're sitting there at nine. Uh, you know, there's just a number of teams that could use a quarterback and Anthony Richardson's talent is so obvious at the same time he's got one season as a starter and his final game was against his rival Florida State and on fourth down to win the game Corbin he threw the ball out of bounds he this is a raw 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 player but my goodness the upside is so immense so I, I get it I the only thing I would disagree with our listener and thank you by the way for all of our listeners and all of our you know the different bold statements that you guys have produced thank you 
But the one thing I would argue with this is the idea that John Schneider would sleep well. Uh, I think if you have Anthony Richardson on your team, you're going to be excited. But I don't know that you're going to sleep well because of the issues I just mentioned. Yeah, that's a very good point. This might be one of those where you're sitting in bed excited, but you're like, my eyes are wide open because I don't know what I'm getting myself into. Now, this final one that we have here on our Monday Mailbag segment, if you are on Twitter or any social media and you've ever seen the meme that has Elmo with the flames behind him, this is the one that would inspire that one, I think. But I love it. And it's coming from Phil Lydic. Hawks trade down to number nine draft Bijan Robinson and then use their total of five day two picks to address the interior trenches. Rob, this would truly be the one where Seahawks Twitter and I think the NFL in general, it would be hell freezing over. You just had Ken Walker the third, who might still win offensive rookie of the year for the AP this week on your roster. He had a thousand rushing yards. This would be one that fans would just erupt in madness if this pick happened. And yet at the same time, Bajan Robinson is an incredible talent. And so if Seattle was going to say, you know what, we're going to try to move on from Ken Walker the third and we're going to go this direction. Uh, this may be the most far-fetched one, but part of me kind of wants to see it happen and just to see the response to it. Well, and you and I, of course, are running back aficionados. We we recognize, I think, more than than some others out there, just how critical a good running game is to quality offense. Watch the Super Bowl this weekend, Joe. Everybody's going to be, you know, talking about the quarterbacks, but I promise you, the team that wins is going to run the football the best. Um, and so, anyways, let's kind of go back to the, the idea of B. Sean Robinson, arguably the most talented player in the entire draft class possibly being a Seattle Seahawk and and John Schneider and Pete Carroll yet again investing a very very early draft pick in a running back I, I agree with you Corbin I think that the the memo uh the emo burning emo uh kind of a of a meme I think it's appropriate I think for anybody who's driving along the road as they're listening to our podcast right now I hope if they just get off the side of the road we don't want any accidents on I-5 <laughs> or anywhere else, the idea of this, of just really super investing in the running back position, it's what the Seahawks have done. And I can you make an argument why they wouldn't, considering the fact that Ken Walker did struggle with injuries a little bit this past season. And the Seahawks have liked to use kind of a, a rotation at the running back position. And again, Robinson is that good. I don't think this is what Seattle would want to do, I think there's a possibility if they traded down from number five, they could get themselves trapped. I'm really excited to talk about your mock draft moving forward because I know that you had said that you include at least one trade. So I'm curious where that trade is. But I'll say this. If the Seahawks trade out of that number five spot, then I think that there's a fairly significant drop-off in some of the defensive linemen and offensive linemen in this draft class. So you better get one of them there or a quarterback. And if you start to drop down too far, you might get yourself your, yourself stuck where the easily best player on the board is Bijan Robbins. And knowing how well that Seattle knows University of Texas, some of their best scouts are in that area. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, of course, is the head coach previously at USC, previously at UW. Uh, you know, again, there's just a lot of things that kind of line up interestingly enough um so again i would be stunned if this is what happened but at the, Let same the time, chaos commence <laughs> yeah it is the seahawks and they love that kind of idea
All right, you get a perfect segue there now. And I promise there's one thing I will say right now. I did not draft a running back in the first round when we get to our mock draft. So our <laughs> listeners that maybe had to pull up to the side of the road, you can breathe easy and uh, relax, <laughs> and then you can get back to driving and listening to our program. Anyway, we're going to get to that mock draft 2.0, and I'm going to be going through my picks. Then, Rob, you get a chance to either celebrate them or absolutely put me on a skewer. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions to all 10 of my selections and, of course, the trade as well. That's coming up next on our Monday edition here of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Valentine's Day is coming up, which means romance is in the air more than usual. I don't need to tell all you lovebirds that. You've probably had your date plans on the calendar for weeks. I certainly have. You're going to pay if you don't. But have you found the perfect Valentine's Day gift yet? Whether you're celebrating this day of romance or whether you're ready to pop the question, you can find jewelry as unique as she is with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. At BlueNile.com, you can find the perfect piece of jewelry for life's special moments or even create the custom engagement ring of her dreams. Their simple online tools let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft that perfect piece to your specifications. And Blue Nile provides expert guidance, in-depth educational materials, and unique online tools to place you in control so you can forget the usual hassles that go with the jewelry shopping process and focus on the romance. Blue Nile's diamond price guarantee allows you to compare a competitor's diamonds against one of theirs. Blue Nile can even meet or beat their price. Every order is insured and arrives quickly in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shipping is free and so are returns. So right now, you can save up to 50% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com for up to 50% off. BlueNile.com. You're listening to Mock Draft Monday here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad, as always, to be joined by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. All right, it's time for a switch up here on Mock Draft Monday. What we've done the first couple Mondays, and we'll get back to doing these. There were certainly some interesting mock drafts out there, but... I dished out my annual post-senior bowl mock draft today on all Seahawks with SI. We got a lot of feedback, a lot of positive, a lot of negative feedback, and I enjoy that. And so we're going to allow Rob to put his draft analyst cap on here. And we are going to comb through my draft. And before we get to the picks, I'll just say this right now. I did trade down from number five to number eight because Jalen Carter and Will Anderson were both gone and the top two quarterbacks were both gone. I decided to roll the dice. The Atlanta Falcons offered me a future first-round pick in 2024 as well as a second-round pick in this year's draft. And so I decided to take number eight, the future first, and the second-round pick moved down three spots. They went up to get their quarterback that they wanted. They drafted Will Levis at number five. So I was able to get the pick at number eight, and I got – a King's ransom back. I did have to give the third rounder to get the second round pick. So there is a big gap, but I get five picks, Rob, on round one and round two because of this trade. So a real chance to get a lot of blue chip talent. So without further ado, let's get to this draft so that Rob can skewer me here. My first set of <laughs> picks coming at number eight. This was what I was worried about going into this process, Rob. And this is always what happens when you risk trading down. I thought Tyree Wilson, who was number five on my big board, I thought he was going to be gone, but thankfully Tyree Wilson was not gone. So I was able to take the Texas Tech edge rusher at number eight, which would be outstanding value. And then I stayed put at number 20. 
I get the massive hulking guard, Osiris Torrance, who didn't give up a single sack in college with the two schools that he played for. I thought he had a really solid senior bowl week. Not a great game necessarily on Saturday, but I saw enough in the practices that I think that he is your starting right guard next season, filling in for Gabe Jackson, who becomes a cap casualty. I think you get both trenches, both sides of the trenches bulked up here with these selections. I know I 100% agree with you. I mean, I'm looking forward to kind of trying to be critical on some of these picks, but I can't do it with these first two selections, Corey. But I, I love the selection of Tyree Wilson, whether it be at number five or in your case, when you trade it down to eight, we still were able to get uh, the 2024 first round pick from Atlanta, a team that quite possibly is going to have an early first round pick. So I love that type of value and still being able to get the player that you probably would have taken at number five overall. As you said, Tyree Wilson is fifth on your own personal big board. So I love that. I think that he's a plug and play starter at that, you know, that five technique kind of outside defensive end role, not the stand up outside linebacker role. I think he can do that, but I like already what you have. I think that Daryl Taylor, I believe and there, you know, it's always dangerous and what you think that you've seen over the last month of the season. But it did feel like Daryl Taylor finally figured it out. And I do think that Seattle's like pass is going to be a little bit better if they can just get a little bit bigger. And certainly Tyree Wilson can do that. And there's no question that Osiris Torrance is a big, big man. And again, we, I, I just bemoan the lack of size and physicality along the offensive line. Torrance might be the biggest, strongest, nastiest, and most proven of the run blockers in this draft class. So yeah, I think that it makes an awful lot of sense. I think the only critics of your picks right now would just be that it's just too damn logical and therefore unlikely to be Seahawks selections. Well, last year they kind of bucked that trend. So maybe maybe we won't see that anymore. Or maybe it was a one-off and the craziness will return this April. But I did put some of that crazy spin on the second round with my three second rounders. Again, I got picked 44 from the Falcons as part of that trade down. So I get three selections from 37 to 52. I get another massive human being that's got his own orbit in Siaki Ika from Baylor at 350 pounds. I think that's a generous listing. I think he is a massive mound of human being but he is a fantastic football player two-time first team all big 12 another one of those nose tackles that has some pass rushing ability and he is extremely difficult to move off the ball Rasheed Rice at pick self machine position to not become that player and then Drew Sanders 230 pounds six foot five not a normal build for a stand-up off the ball linebacker but you don't see many players of that position to get nine and a half sacks either he just brings some dynamic playmaking ability and I feel like he's a player that still has a lot of room to grow physically and as a football player because he didn't play much at Alabama his first two seasons and so that is a player that I'm projecting to be a guy that can play a lot of snaps for you early but could end up being a stud if he's coached up and he gets stronger yeah, I'm going to kind of attack these in the opposite, um, you know, order that you just drafted them. I'm going to start with, with Drew Sanders here, and I agree with you um, in that what a just a unique frame and game that he possesses. As you said, 6'5", 230, was an edge rusher at times for, for Alabama. You don't see much upper body strength yet. 
that that's being be one of the things that I want to see him get bigger and stronger. But you see instincts, you see closing speed, you see the ability to be an edge rusher as well as drop back into coverage. There's not a lot of guys that can do both. So he's to me one of those guys, Corbin. That I think you can kind of he can be like an eraser. That's one of the terms that uh, some of the scouts I talked to have used for those defensive players that you can kind of just move here, there, everywhere. And I think yep. that Drew Sanders has that potential ability. To me, he's the kind of guy that the Bill Belichick has made in Hall of Fame career after selecting players like him. Um, Rishi Rice, the wide receiver at SMU. I, I like the selection. I think that Seattle is likely to go for a wide receiver. I'd be stunned if they have 10 selections this year and don't use at least one pick on a wide receiver, even though obviously you have a couple of superstars and you have some depth. But the if I was to argue with this pick, um, Rishi Rice, I think, is a good player. Um, at the same time, I also am intrigued by what I saw from Derek Young. I have not been intrigued by anybody who is smaller of the Seattle's wide receivers. Of course, the superstar, you know, uncomparable Tyler Lockett. And so Zay Jones from BC is the one that really intrigues me. To me, he could be what the Seahawks were hoping that D. Eskridge would be. And I kind of like that idea a little bit more of getting a player with a similar game to try to push Eskridge a little bit. I just like the way that his game translates to the NFL to make an immediate impact a little bit more. But again, uh, far be it for me to criticize anybody whose initials are RR. Uh, I, I'm a, a fan of Rashi Rice uh, as well. And then finally, Siaka. A massive, massive man. And I see the flashes, but he scares the hell out of me. The University of Washington had a big defensive tackle years ago. I'm really showing my age here, Corbin, and Danny Shelton. And there were plays where he would just take over but he was not Vita Vea. The, he was just a big, heavy guy. I didn't see elite athleticism. Now, Siaki Aika has that elite athleticism on the, the track, on the, the bench press and things like that. I just don't see that consistently turn into production. So he spooks me a little bit. To me, this is just a little bit too rich, although I certainly acknowledge that that is a position of concern for the Seahawks. All right, let's get to the day three picks now. Five selections. I didn't make any major moves here. Now, I'm going to admit to our listeners, I've been working on this name all day. I've watched him play a lot, but Oluwatimi from Michigan. Olu Oluwatimi. I think I actually nailed it there, Rob. The miracles do happen. Had a really good senior bowl. Another guy that is a really solid blocker. Top 10 run blocking grade in college football for pro football focus. Two fifth rounders. I get a couple more senior bowl guys, Payne Durham, the tight end out of Purdue. I love the size. I love the production. And I liked the blocking that I saw this weekend as well. And Roshan Johnson, the other Texas running back that you're not going to have to pick in the top 10, but can catch the football, can make plays average 5.6 yards per carry in his college career. Getting him at 156, I think would be a steal. And then my two late round picks, round six, this might be my favorite value pick in the entire draft. I am a huge fan. Javon Hicks fan. This is a guy that has kind of gone under the radar at Cincinnati because of all the talent they've had in that secondary. But this guy had a five interception season a few years ago. He will come up and hit you. He's 6'2, 205 pounds. I just think he is a safety that is going very much under the radar. And one last senior bowl guy in round seven. I don't know that he lasts this long after how he performed in the senior bowl, but I don't know what it is with Chattanooga. They've been kicking out really good NFL linemen the last couple of years. And McClendon Curtis, 
he had two massive blocks in the run game where he demolished the opponent across from him. And Evan Hole got big gains in the first half of that game on Saturday. So you can see the power at 6'6". He plays with really good leverage. His footwork betrays him sometimes in pass protection, but that can be coached up. I see a guy that has starter upside with the right coaching. And Seattle drafting two guards would make sense because Damian Lewis has only one year left in his contract. Excellent point. Um, and I do think, again, this is such a huge area of concern for the Seahawks that you want to continue to add a, a number of interior linemen. I mean, you didn't take one or two, you took three, um, you know, because obviously the center as well. And, I, and we consider the fact that Seattle, of course, invested the two picks in the offensive tackles a year ago, then you have a very real possibility in your scenario of having five offensive linemen in either the rookie or their second seasons next year. Now, that may not be what Geno Smith wants to convince him to resign. But if you're looking to build, if you're looking to flip the, this roster and really make a run, then that's exactly what you have to do is you have to get young and talented and grow some camaraderie up front. So I do like your selections and just the, the, the numbers that you are investing in along the offensive line. Uh, again, I'm going to kind of start from the back. Um, the Chattanooga kid, I thought had a terrific week of practice. Maybe not as good as Cole Strange a year ago. Cole Strange, of course, that other Chattanooga player that went, went in the first round to the New England Patriots had a pretty good rookie season. Uh, a lot of people kind of forget to, to mention. So, um, I, again, I, I really like him. I thought that he had a terrific week of practice. I agree with you. I don't know that he's going to be available this late, but I like the the. Election. Um, I'll switch over to the other offensive lineman, Ola Watimi, the, the big center for, for Michigan. He's an interesting guy in that he's bounced around a couple of different colleges, been awfully productive wherever he's gone. I believe it was Virginia and Air Force uh, prior yeah. to Michigan. And, uh, you know, just big and powerful. He's not quite as quick as some of the other centers that we've talked about. But in terms of power, in terms of pro-ready offense, obviously, with the Wolverines, he has that. Uh, you mentioned Hicks, the, the safety from Cincinnati. I agree with you. I mean, I think his five picks a couple of years ago, I guess 10 picks for his career. Yep. This guy has legitimate ball skills. Um, and as you said, he's a, he's a thumper. He, he's 6'2", 205, 210. Um, and he'll hit you. And again, the same thing we talked about previously, which is the familiarity, obviously with Kobe Bryant, you're going to have some familiarity with Javon Hicks as well. Uh, oh, Rashawn Johnson. So Rashad Johnson is one of my absolute favorite players in this draft class. Now, I said that before with Bijan Robinson, Texas' starter, but Corbin, Roshan Johnson, and people say these kind of things all the time. Oh, he would be a starter just about any other program. No, he really would. I mean, this yeah. guy is a really good player. I don't know that he is going to be available as late as you have him here. I would love, love, love to see Seattle bring in Roshan Johnson just because of the fact that he does have great hands. He is a bigger back. This is a 6'1", 220 kind of a guy. So he can be that thunder to go along with, with Ken Walker's speed and just the way that he plays. He plays with his heart on his sleeve. He's the special teams kind of a guy. He is just a locker room guy through and through. Would not be surprised at all if somehow, some way, the Seahawks wind up with Roshan Johnson because he is them to a T. Yeah, I think he would be a really fun selection, as would Payne Durham, too. Eight ah. touchdowns last year, second most yep. in college football among tight ends. And like I said, he made a couple really nice blocks on Saturday. He's 255 pounds. So you look at Seattle's tight end group, they got two players in Noah Fant and Colby Partison entering the final year of their contract. And Will Disley has had so many injuries that he might eventually be a cap casualty guy. So I'm looking yep. 2024 and beyond, maybe even this year, 
having a tight end, this is a really good tight end class. You want to take advantage of it. And Payne Durham is a guy that's a pain to cover. And I would like to see him join this Seahawks tight end group. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, of course, streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to have our first Transaction Tuesday. I'm going to pitch a question to all of our listeners on social media about a certain position group. You get to weigh in on which players will be back and which ones won't be. We'll be looking at the defensive tackle position. Should be a really fun episode. Make sure you're listening in and enjoy the rest of your Monday. Go Hawks.